Tisha Bader and In the News, a special roundtable held at the White House on December the 7th, led by Douglas Emhoff, with members of the administration sitting down with Jewish leaders from across the spectrum to talk about the rise in anti-Semitism and efforts to combat hate. Among those present, a special envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism at the U.S. State Department, Ambassador Deborah Lipstadt, and Deputy Special Envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism, Aaron Kiak. Before being appointed as deputy last November, Aaron served as Jewish Outreach Director during President Joe Biden's presidential campaign. He held senior roles advising members of Congress and the Obama administration. He served as the top Middle East Advisor and Communications Director for Representatives Gerald Nadler and Steve Rothman. And Aaron serves as a term member of the Council on Foreign Relations. He joins us now from Washington. Aaron, thank you so much for being here on JBS. Uh, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So you were at the roundtable. You were a participant. And I'm sure you've been at numerous meetings and discussions about countering anti-Semitism over the years. But given the environment we are in today, and where things are at right now. I wanted to just ask if you can describe what the feel in the room was like. Was there a difference that you noticed as compared to other similar meetings perhaps that you've had in years prior? Yeah. Well, thank you for the question. Um, you know, I'm a State Department official, uh, an official in the Biden-Harris administration. I'm also a member of the Jewish community and the type of conversations I have uh, at my Shabbat table are, are very much like a lot of the conversations that the Jewish leaders were having uh, at the round table, but also um, within their organizations and at their own um, Shabbat tables. When I was growing up, I, I, as a Jew in America, I never felt unsafe walking down the street. I would proudly wear my kippah and without fear that I was gonna get attacked or punched in the face walking down the streets of Brooklyn. Uh, and that's just, uh, unfortunately, the reality has changed. Now, as you know, the mandate of our office, uh, headed by Ambassador Deborah Lipstadt, is overseas uh, in the State Department. With uh, Doug Emhoff's leadership on this, along with Ambassador Rice and White House Jewish liaison, um, Shelley, uh, Shelley Greenspan, we were able to convene a conversation that uh, crossed borders between domestic and international because the line really is not that clear anymore. Uh, with, with social media and the spread of anti-Semitism online, what starts in the United States doesn't necessarily stay in the United States. You know, you can get radicalized abroad and then come and do your act of anti-Semitism here. So it's important that we take a whole government approach uh, that all the various parts of government, all the various agencies are talking with each other. And what this roundtable was able to do is we were able to hear directly from uh, the leaders of the community uh, that is impacted from these Jewish leaders. And they, they, they gave us some great suggestions. Uh, we're gonna take it to heart and, um, and, and figure out the best way forward. Are any of those suggestions, anything you can share at this point? <laughs> um, I think I'll, I'll let the Jewish leaders speak for themselves. Some of them have released statements um, and been quoted, uh, but the overall uh, message and the overall message from us and from them is 
you know, we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitism um, and we have to call it out as we do uh, and express our outrage. Uh, the Biden-Harris administration has been clear and consistent in condemning that hate, um, but we can't wait any longer um, because later it's gonna be too late. You mentioned Ambassador Lipstadt and the, the, the purpose of the office initially or in its original um, idea is to be that liaison to countries outside of the U.S. And I just wanted to read something she said, um, reported by the JTA. She said, I can't go to these countries, meaning foreign countries, and say, you have a problem. Now I have to say, we have a serious problem. And that's an, a really astonishing shift. Yeah, I think when uh, Congress uh, created this office in 2004, um, there was a thought that anti-Semitism is a serious problem. Of course, it existed in the United States, uh, but that this office really was outwardly focused, you know, use U.S. leadership on the international stage to monitor and combat anti-Semitism, which we do, but the tenor of the conversations are just different now. Uh, we, have, we bring a humbleness to our diplomacy um, and a, a genuine, uh, uh, creating a genuine dialogue on how we are going to fix this problem together with our other countries, whether it's uh, bilaterally or multilaterally. Uh, it, it's not, there is no one place where anti-Semitism exists. Um, it exists everywhere. Uh, it happens every day. Uh, and every country has a problem um, when it comes to anti-Semitism. So when we're having these conversations with our diplomatic counterparts, there, there's, there's no finger wagging. It's, we have this problem, how are we gonna deal with it together? This, this you, know, it, you know, like sort of like when we were having conversations about COVID, it's not that COVID <laughs> respects any particular borders. This is an international problem that we have to uh, fight together. And uh, so too with anti-Semitism, it's a virus we all have to deal with. That's such an interesting comparison. I think actually um, Douglas Emhoff used the word um, epidemic um, to talk about the, the rise in anti-Semitism. And it, it's, you know, the fact that he is Jewish, I feel um, really resonates from the words he has said and seemingly he is taking this very personally. Is that what you what you gathered at this meeting? I mean, he he seemed to be very. Um, he said he really feels personally obligated to do more and speak out, and that he is absolutely committed to not just starting this conversation but continuing this conversation as long as he has a platform to do so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've had the honor of working with him um, for a few years now, and he himself. Uh, is a great Jewish leader and a great American leader. The impact he has on the Jewish leaders and the Jewish community when they're interacting with him is quite powerful. Seeing sort of the reflection of him in their faces and how important it is to be an, a proud Jew on the international stage um, as a spouse of, of, of the vice president. He, he's a powerful symbolic figure. And as we saw at the round table, his convening power uh, the fact that, as he said, he's going to use this microphone as long as he has it, his clarity, um, his, uh, the, the, the purpose he comes to uh, this task with, uh, it helps elevate the, the, the fight against this issue. Um, and he's just invaluable in this role. 
this historic role, uh, not just as the first uh, male second gentleman, well, I guess the first second gentleman, um, but also as the first Jewish spouse of any uh, president or vice president. Uh, I always thought it was quite powerful when we would send uh, our secretaries of states who happened to be women overseas uh, in countries where, um, that, where women were mistreated uh, and you wouldn't even see women in senior levels of government. You know, now we see their representation matters uh, and uh, the second gentleman embodies that. And I, I do think that personal side of it is is truly um, significant and, you know, makes it even more compelling, um, I'm sure, in a meeting such as you had to hear him speak. Um, and speaking, you, you mentioned your own Jewishness, of course, and, and your approaching being in that round table as a participant, also as deputy envoy, and as a Jewish person making their way in the world. And I think it's it's so interesting. Um, I wanna just read something William Daroff said about you, if you don't mind, when you were named to this office. Um, of course, CEO of the Conference of Presidents, Daroff um, said, you are a person with superior ethics and values who lives Jewishly every day of his life and works to make the world a better place. How does that inform the work that you do? And is it just sort of like this marriage of just who you are and what you do? Or how does, or has it changed your way of thinking about yourself as a Jewish person in the world at all? That was very kind of uh, William to say, um, you know, he is really one of the great Jewish leaders, not just in America, but internationally. Uh, we're privileged to have him as a partner, uh, government to, uh, to Jewish communal leader. Look, people ask me about this work uh, uh, a lot. Um, and, you know, the idea of being in this position at this time with the head of our office, uh, who, being who she is, to fight anti-Semitism, um, while it's on unprecedented rise on behalf of the most powerful country on earth, um, I'm not sure there's much more uh, someone like me could ask for. But what's important to understand is, of course, there's a Jewish communal aspect to it. It's also just a foreign policy priority of the United States of America to combat anti-Semitism worldwide. When we go to other countries and we're discussing uh, the wide range of issues that our two countries uh, deal with on the international stage, combating Jew hatred is one of those priorities. And so even if we're not able to convince a particular uh, counterpart, or even if a government disagrees with our interpretation of, of what they're doing, we have to do better to convince them, but they have to understand that that's a problem with the United States of America too. Uh, you don't get your own interpretation of, of, of Jew hatred or of whitewashing anti-Semitism, or if you take something like uh, shkita, ritual slaughter, um, you do, when you're not making it comfortable for Jews to exist uh, in your country, especially if you look at, at some place like Europe, which has, because of their history, a, a special obligation uh, to ensure that um, they they allow for robust and comfortable Jewish life. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a foreign policy problem um, with our country when when we're not on the same page there. So if Obviously, combating anti-Semitism 
because Jews need to feel safe. And, um, you know, remembering uh, what happened um, uh, during the Shoah, that's enough. But on top of that, and on top of it being a U.S. Uh, foreign policy priority, it's also fundamentally a bedrock of a stable society. Uh, any government that allows for anti-Semitism, that tolerates anti-Semitism, is not going to be a healthy society for long. Because if you think about it, the conspiracy theory of anti-Semitism is that Jews control the financial sector, the banks. They control the media. They control the government. They're the puppet strings behind everything. And if if that is your fundamental belief about your government, about uh, your the structure of finance in your country, about the media, you can't trust the media because it's controlled by Jews, that anti-Semitic conspiracy rots away at the healthiness of society. So it's something that um, we need to fight together uh, to make Jews feel safe, but also to have a healthy, to, to have healthy governments that we can work with. Absolutely. And of course, anti-Semitism goes hand in hand with other forms of prejudice and bigotry and, and hate, um, of course. And it's not perhaps always seen that way. It seems obvious um, that it is just another form of bigotry and hatred that has to be, that has to be um, faced and combated and, and uh, you know, goes hand in hand with all these other forms of hate that we encounter. Can you talk a bit about your sense of what is behind or what is underneath this, this rise in anti-Semitism? I know it's not easy to just like point to one thing and say, this is what happened. But when you look at the issue and when you look at the rise and when Ambassador Lipstadt looks at things, what, what are you seeing, if anything, as something you can point to or issues that have pushed this up above the norm of late? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a combination of things. It's uh, anti-Semites feeling emboldened. Um, it's the, uh, the ability for information to be shared very quickly um, with very few barriers throughout the world. You know, it used to be if you had a, if you wanted to acquire a book or a document that, that uh, denied the Holocaust, uh, let's say a couple decades ago, they'd get mailed to you in a uh, plain envelope to a PO box. Nowadays, if you want to access uh, Holocaust denial, you it's just a mouse click away. You just type it in and it's right there for you. But there are other problems too. It, it's quite difficult to keep the anti-Semite from finding the information they're looking for uh, in this day and age, um, whether you, uh, with the access to information we have through the internet. But at the very least, we can work with the social media companies to break down the highways of hate, right? You can start out looking for Anne Frank's diary. You can start out looking for uh, the causes of World War II, but just a few algorithms and all of a sudden you're being served anti-Semitic material. You're being served a Holocaust denial. You started out looking to learn about history, looking to learn how it was to be a, a, a Jew during the Holocaust, and, and all of a sudden you end up at anti-Semitic material. Those are the types of things um, that, that social media companies need to address and at least hold themselves up to their own standards and their own terms of service. Uh, 
it's very difficult for an actual motivated anti-Semite to prevent them from accessing that information. But you shouldn't start out looking to learn about history and then being served uh, anti-Semitism. And as far as the interconnectedness of hate and not fighting hate in silos, it's also important to understand the anti-Semite might seek out to attack Jews, but it, it doesn't end with Jews. And same with the other forms of hate. The racist might not start by targeting Jews, but but if you go into the anti-Semitic ideology, um, you, you then turn out as an anti-Semite. So it's something, uh, there's an interconnectedness of this hate. Um, once you're able to dehumanize that one person in front of you, it quickly can, um, can uh, spill over to others. So what we found uh, here at the State Department, uh, we worked very closely with our colleagues who are charged with combating um, international uh, religious bigotry uh, and persecution with um, racial equality and justice. Uh, it's something that we have to fight together. Absolutely, and I wanna just mention there is um, an initiative, I believe Senator Jackie Rosen began and now over 125 lawmakers from both sides of the aisle from both the House and the Senate have signed on to a letter calling for a, a new or a somewhat different strategy to combat anti-Semitism, a whole of government strategy. Is this something that you and Ambassador Lipstadt are involved in, or is it, you know, I assume this is going hand in hand with the roundtable that was held. Can you tell us anything about that? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, there are there's no greater champion in the fight against anti-Semitism and for our office specifically than Senators Rosen and Senator Lankford. Um, so we work very closely with their offices. Um, without them, we would not be able to do the work that we do. And of course, we agree that we need a whole government approach. Um, and that is something that was raised uh, during the roundtable. And uh, in the not too distant future, we're hoping to come back with some more specifics. We were really there to listen. Of course, we gave uh, Ambassador Lipstadt and Second Gentleman, Ambassador Rice and others gave opening remarks to show where we're at and to stand in solidarity. Um, what we heard from the Jewish leaders around the table were some very specific items. Uh, many of them referenced uh, the, the uh, Rosen Lankford letter. Um, and we're hoping to come together soon and figure out the best path forward because we, we have to do more. Uh, the Biden-Harris administration and Joe Biden himself have been outspoken in condemning anti-Semitism. It was uh, the reason why Joe Biden ended up running for president uh, in the end, after uh, hearing the neo-Nazis chant the Jews will not replace us, uh, carrying tiki torches in 2017. Uh, it's fundamental to who he is. It's also fundamental to who uh, Secretary Blinken is and to his, the, his family history. And of course, uh, as far as our office is concerned, uh, ambassador lips that gets us in our gut or uh, in our kishkas. Well, Aaron, thank you and Ambassador Lipstadt truly for the work you do on a daily basis. It is certainly very challenging in these times and we appreciate it deeply. And thank you so much for coming on JBS and talking to us about the roundtable. We hope to have you back on um, to perhaps talk about what the, what the next steps will be. Thank you for the invite and I hope to be back soon. Thank you so much. Aaron Kiak is Deputy Special Envoy to Monitor and Combat Anti-Semitism at the US State Department. We thank him so much for his time here today on JBS. And thank you as always to our Director Sloan Copeland, Managing Director Dara Golub, 
technical manager, Michael Paley, transmissions manager, John McDevitt, to our producer, Carol Lilienthal, and executive producer, Mark S. Golub. And thank you for watching In the News. <laughs>